You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Hey, South Bay Church, good morning. Great to be with you on our live stream. As uh, Cora said, it's just the Craig family this morning. Uh, We're missing our usual uh, friends here, but uh, it's great to be able to connect with you and um, just to to be able to to worship God together. It's great to sing a couple songs about uh, really relying on God and building our life on God and uh, just the way that our whole uh, being changes when we spend time with God. I love that last song. Appreciate Gina. Uh, leading us in that song uh, and just the words that I touched the sky when my knees hit the ground. So such a powerful image for what our relationship with God can be like and we're going to be talking about that today. Um, it was just uh, exactly one year ago today that we were all, or around today, that we were all gathered at the Miracosta Cafeteria for our uh, New Year kickoff workshop, uh, Doing Life Together. Uh, we were talking about our small groups and how we didn't want to be just a church with small groups, but a church of small groups. And uh, so we really wanted those small groups not to be just uh, places where we would exchange information, but really we wanted those small groups to be something where we were sharing our lives with each other, sharing who we are and uh, doing life together. So there's our logo on the screen there. You can see uh a, a small group kind of joining together. We, we, but we had no idea what we were in store for that would actually be a little more like this. Uh, that that would be what doing life together would be in 2020. Uh, we had no idea what we were in, in store for. But I'm so glad that uh, you know we've been able to spend this year figuring out how to still do life together. And, uh, and I'm grateful for technologies like this. And uh, we're going to be talking today about uh, picking up where we left off last uh, week, Life with God, Uh, but the title of the lesson today is Life with God Together, Uh, because the relationships that we have with each other are so uh, transformed by the relationships that each one of us individually have with God and that we collectively have with God. So the things that we talk about today are not just about uh, each one of us and our own walk with God, but they're also about... uh, how the whole church is transformed and, uh, and our relationships are transformed by that uh, walk with God that each one of us have. So I'm going to say a quick prayer. We've got a lot of prayer requests. Uh, in fact, if there's uh, something you know, that needs to be prayed about, go ahead and stick that in the chat because uh, we want to you know, have an ongoing interaction. And uh, so there might be even things that we as a body don't know about that we need to be praying about um, as we're going through here, but uh, I'm going to pray for those later when we pray for communion, at least the ones I'm aware of, the prayer requests that I'm aware of, but right now let's just pray that uh, we can kind of put everything out of our mind and just hear from the scriptures uh, as we look at uh, some of these passages. Let's pray. God, thank you to be able to join together in the live stream. Uh, Thank you for the relationships that we have with one another and how uh, we have been able to spend the last year doing life together. I do want to pray for anybody that hasn't been connected as this has been such a tough year that uh, you, you know who those people are. You know who those souls are. And I pray that you'd pull them back into connection with each other. I know that that's so much how you work uh, to help us grow is through uh, the connections that we have with one another. Um, pray that right now we can really strengthen our most important connection, which is the one with you, and that we can learn more about doing life uh, with you and uh, how that could uh, help all of our relationships as we grow in our relationship with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So just to review a little bit 
from last week, a little bit of my, uh, my Pictionary lesson here. Uh, we talked here about how all religions, uh, there's this common idea that all religions end up at the same place, which really is not true, uh, because the end, what each religion is, is aiming for is something different. So what's really more true is it's an, an inverted mountain, and that all religions start from the same place and then deviate in different directions. So the starting point for all religions, here down at the bottom, Cora, right here, is fear and control. That's the starting point for all religions, that we live in a, a world that's chaotic and a world that is filled with fear and chaos and disorder and uncertainty, and as we have seen this in this apocalyptic year that we're in, and, and so we all, that, that makes us uncertain, it makes us fear, and so we all want control. And so every religion is a desire to control our, our environment, to control our relationship to the things that we experience. And, uh, and it's the same with different postures towards God, and even in the Christian faith, we can have uh, different ways that we're really ultimately still trying to have control. So we talked about these different ideas of life under God, life over God, life from God and life for God. So I'm just going to review those. So life under God, this is where uh, the, the, the triangle here in these represents God. So life under God, this is where we are trying to control God to control the world by, ironically, our morality and uh, observance of ritualistic behavior. Or we say, I'm going to be such a good person, so now God has to bless me. So that's life under God. Uh, you know, the, the, we're trying to, God has to because I have done what my part. Life over God is where we are, are, are looking for natural laws or divine principles, even in the Bible, but we're trying to kind of shortcut God is over here and we're just trying to use these principles to control our world. And so the core is really the principles themselves or the laws instead of God himself. And then we talked about life from God. This is kind of a consumer mentality has to do with scarcity, and, uh, and so we, 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 uh, it's about what we get from God, health or wealth, prosperity or popularity. That, we're looking for those things to insulate us from danger, protect us from fear, from fear. So really, we are the center, and other people, and even God himself is, is uh, uh, orbiting around our selfish center, because really, it's all about me. So at the core, it's really all about me when you're talking about life from God. And then life for God... This is the one that challenged me the most, where we are doing things for God, service, uh, um, you know, sacrifice, but we're, we're looking to those things to get favor from God. I'm doing these things, and so, you know, that's why I'm good with God. Uh, the mission is really at the core. It's what I'm doing. And uh, this was represented by the, the older son in the story of the prodigal son. There's the one son who... It just wants to take from the father and he leaves. But then there's the older son that he's, he's sticking around, but his heart's not in the right place. You know, he's still anxious. He's still, he doesn't have a great relationship with his father. Uh, it's about what he does and what his father does for him. But really what we're after is life with God, which is not uh, a transactional relationship. It's not about what God does or doesn't do for us or what we do or don't do for God. But it's, it's, it's about, a, it's relational. It's a relational uh, situation where, uh, and it's about communication, not communion. So I want to show you what that, sorry, it's about communion, not communication. So a lot of us, when we think about our relationship with God, it's kind of, 
about uh, our communication with God. And that's a good thing. You know, it's if, 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 if I were to ask you about your relationship with God, you might talk about, oh, I spend this much time every day praying. I, you know, here's my prayer spot. I spend this much time reading. Here's what I'm reading in my Bible right now. Uh, here's my prayer list. You know, and those are all good things. Those are not bad things. You know, same thing with my wife. If you ask me about my relationship, I might share some of the things that we do, some of the practices that we have. We do our planning time every Friday. We go somewhere. It's been harder lately because everything's closed. So now, last Friday, we just went for a long drive. You know, but we, 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 do the, we have these practices to, to help our communication. But my relationship with my wife is way more than just the communication. But I think a lot of times we stop there in our relationship with God. Instead, our relationship with God should be about communion with God. And so everything is about being in God and being with God, not just a communication, but God is throughout everything that we do and everything that we are. Um, you know, this, this is what, what Jesus' walk with God was like. Uh, if you think about it, the passage in, in John 14 where he says, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. When, the, when the, his followers ask to see God, they say, he says, when you've seen me, you've seen God, because I'm so connected with God. And, and, and that's the kind of relationship that Jesus wanted his followers to have with him. So John 15, the next passage, we're probably all familiar with that, the remain in me passage, right? He says, remain in me, connected to me. A lot of us... Uh, you know, our connection to, to Jesus is, is more about, uh, you know, uh, maybe being connected to other branches. It's not, but we're not tied into the vine and staying in the vine and remaining in him. And so that, this is communion, not just communication. So life with God, what does it look like? It's a life characterized by faith, life with faith, life with hope, and life with love. If we don't have, if, if we don't have abundant faith, if we don't have abundant hope, if we don't have abundant love, then there's probably something wrong with it. We're, we're not doing life with God. And so we're going to look at each of those three areas. So first of all, life with faith. Life with faith. You know, as I mentioned, none of these postures, the life under, life over, life from, or life for, really give us control. Uh, they, they not, none of them really truly alleviate our fears. Uh, there's this quote from the book, and if I didn't mention it already, a lot of these ideas are from a great book called With by Sky Jathani, and there's a link in the video description today that uh, will take you to that uh, book on Amazon if you want to buy it. I heard from a couple people who, who wanted to buy that book. It's a great book. So here's a quote from the book. Uh, he says, rather than producing peace and tranquil tranquility in our souls, many forms of religion function rather like a treadmill with the speed gradually increasing. We run faster and faster to gain more control but we never arrive at our destination. So it becomes a treadmill to try to escape fear and try to gain control. So you have danger. And so that leads to fear. And so we try to control. But our desire to control ends up, it usually ends up with us in more danger. Because 
you know, that our desire to control causes conflict with others. We have, we can't control, and so we become more. There's more uncertainty, so which leads to more danger, leads to more fear, and so it's, it's this treadmill where, uh, you know, we can never. The more we try to control, uh, the the more we have fear, and so we end up in this cycle, because control is really an illusion. Uh, we think we can control things, but we can't. And there's so many stories in the Bible that illustrate this. One of my favorites is in, in uh, Luke 12, the story of the rich fool. Um, we don't have time to read the whole story, but uh, it's a story Jesus told in response to a disagreement between two brothers that were arguing over possessions. And Jesus says, life does not consist in the abundance of, of, of your possessions. And he tells a story about a, a guy, a rich man, a, a guy who was very successful, in, in the first century mindset, the, the mindset of those who were listening to Jesus at the time, this guy would have been exactly what everybody wants to be. Because uh, in their mindset, if you're rich, if you're blessed, that means you're, you have God's favor. And if you're, if you're having issues, if, you, uh, you know, if you're blind or if you uh, have a disability, that means that you've been cursed by God. That's their mentality. You, know, you think of that time where even Jesus' own followers are like, oh, this guy's blind, so who sinned? Was it him or was it his parents? Who sinned that made this guy blind? That was just their mentality. It was a, 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 an off mentality towards this, their surroundings, right? So someone who was wealthy in the first century mindset, oh, that person is blessed by God. That, that's a, a guy we all want to be like. And this guy was so successful that uh, his fields produced way more crops than he even had room for. Uh, even all of his storage capacity was overwhelmed by how successful he had become. And so he said, what am I going to do? His big problem was he had too much stuff. And you know what? Honestly, that's something a lot of us can relate to. <laughs> you know, we get stressed because we have too much stuff. That's, you know, what we would call first world problems, right? He says, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll make bigger barns so I can store all my stuff and then I'll be set up for the rest of my life. I can take life easy. He says, I can eat, drink, and be merry. What was his objective? To, it was selfish, right? It was, uh, I've got everything I need, everything is set, now I can just enjoy life. Isn't that what everybody in America is after? And yet, what was Jesus' uh, response, uh, what was the judgment in, in verse 20 of Luke 12? God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you, then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? So, his ability to control was only an illusion. He thought, oh, I can control things by building bigger barns. I can, and, and James talked about this when he said, oh, you know, some of us will say, I'm going to go here or there. I'm going to carry on business. I'm going to make money. We think we have control, but we don't. Even as disciples, even as Christians, you know, think of all the plans that went into 2020. I mean, Steve and Jackie and, and, and Dessa and I and others, we spent so much time on the calendar for 2020. So many hours were put into Women's Day, you know, and then... Boom, it's all for naught, right? We can't control what we think we can control. There was a huge conference we planned over the summer. A lot of time we spent on that conference. And we're still going to do that, amen? We're still going to have Women's Day. I don't know if we're going to have the same, uh, uh, the uh, what do you call those things, the centerpieces that uh, oh, yeah. that Sheila worked on. <laughs> we, tried, we tried to keep all those plants alive for a long time, these plants, the beautiful plants that Sheila got. And some of you have them. We've only lost one. Uh, others might have lost a couple, yeah, but there, it might be possible to pull those back together. But, uh, but anyway, our, all of our plans, I'm not saying are, are totally in vain, but, but we don't have the control that we would like or we think we have. Um, I want to share this analogy that's in the book. Um, Dr. Henry Nowen, who's a Dutch theologian, uh, he is a, uh, 
Oh, is there a problem? Uh, I don't think so. Keep going. Okay. Uh, I was alerted to something. Um, this Dutch theologian was a Harvard professor and a Yale professor, so it must be pretty sharp. Um, uh, but he's referenced in the book, uh, and uh, in this illustration of faith, this, uh, this Dr. Henry, Henry Nowen uh, recognized that, you know, if you think of it, all of us have seen somebody on the flying trapeze, and they, you know, swing from one side to the other, and they flip through the air, and then they're caught, and then they, you know, flip through the air, and then they go back. Um, he recognized that we, we give all the credit to that person flying through the air, but the real credit is in the, the person who grabs them and, uh, and their timing and their ability. And he uh, went so far as to actually, in his 60s, uh, to go on a trapeze and, and do these uh, aeronautics. I tried to find a video of this. It's described in the book, but I couldn't find a video of it. But so here's this man in his 60s flipping through the air because it was really all about the person catching him. And so he said faith is that uh, trust that that person is going to catch you. That person is going to, to not let you fall. And, uh, and, and that, that's what faith is. It's letting go and surrendering and, and tr you're trusting that person. So faith is that act of surrender to God. Where you're, you're, it's not, it's the opposite of trying to control, right? Faith is the opposite of, of control. It's saying, I let go, God, and I trust you. And it requires seeing God in a positive way. It requires seeing God as the good shepherd, you know, that you can trust him. There's a great passage in Psalm 23 where David, who was a shepherd, you know, grew up as a shepherd, he recognized that, you know what, who, I've put all this time and all this, all these years into being a shepherd. You know who the ultimate shepherd of my soul is? Is God. And I want to read this together. Uh, David says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is what a life filled with faith looks like. A, a relationship with God looks like is total trust in God. Um, David puts himself in the... In, in the uh, uh, in this analogy, as the sheep and God as the shepherd. A lot of us in our day and age, we don't recognize uh, just how dumb sheep are. And we don't realize, um, you know, what, what that's saying to, to, when the Bible is saying we're like sheep. Um, in 2005, uh, this was illustrated in Turkey where 1,400 sheep all plunged over the same cliff. One after another, 1,400 sheep. Um, thankfully, I mean, a lot of them died. 400 of them died. Uh, over 1,000 survived because what the book describes, a billowy white pile of death oh, gosh. <laughs> below cushioned their fall. So 1,000 oh, of them survived. Sheep are dumb. And, and what happened is these shepherds were having breakfast. They were away from the sheep. And so they just all followed each other over a cliff. Uh, in Turkey in 2005. We, we, are, we are dumb sheep. We need a shepherd. We can't control things. We can't, when we try to uh, 
do life our way, it never ends up working. And so we've got to trust the shepherd. Jesus said of himself, he said, I am the good shepherd. My sheep know me and I know them. Uh, just as my father knows me, I know the father. I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus represents in our lives the good shepherd. And so if we look at this diagram, uh, the danger, control, fear spiral that we get in, this is really about trying to control our world. And yet, uh, alternate, the alternate here, when we feel fear, is to... Just step down here. Surrender in faith to God. And He always catches us. We can trust Him. It's like the trapeze swinger. And so... Uh, that builds our faith even more and helps us to surrender even more. So this is a, a, a cycle, rather, rather than a cycle of fear and control, it's a cycle of faith and surrender and safety because we trust God and we trust His, uh, His presence in our lives. His presence, it's His presence with us that removes fear, not our ability to control Him through morality or controlling our surroundings, uh, it only happens through uh, this relationship with God. I want to read another quote from the book. It says, It is the experiential knowledge of God's love, His unyielding goodness towards us that delivers us from fear and gives us the courage to surrender to Him. Real faith, real surrender is only possible in the life with God posture. As the Apostle John said, perfect love drives out fear. When we live with God, fear loses its grip on our souls. When we live in rich communion with God, we are set free to fly, knowing that the catcher will never let us fall. Amen. And, you know, some of us say, well, what about, uh, what about uh, the, the apostles? Didn't all of them die for their faith? You're talking about the apostle Paul. Wasn't he killed for his faith? Weren't, weren't, weren't the, the early Christians martyred? Does God really give us safety? Well, that shows our perspective, right? When we have an eternal perspective with God, when we see things as He does, uh, we, it changes our view of fear. It changes our view of suffering. It changes our view of this life. Paul had such a perspective on, on death that he could say in Philippians, I'm torn between the two. I, I, I know that I could be killed. And he said, that's way better because if I'm killed for my faith, I get to be with God forever and I'm done running this race. But I also feel like I'd like to stay here because that will benefit you there, Philippians, uh, you Philippians and others in the church because I can continue to serve God and continue to do things, you know, be used by him here. So that's good for you. It's better for me if I die. It's better for you if I stay. You know, that's, that was his big dilemma in the book of Philippians. What a perspective, right? If, if that's a perspective of life with God, not something that, where your objective is a nice, comfortable, long life here on this earth. Um, and, and later, as he was approaching the end, when he wrote uh, Timothy, he, he was able to say, look, I, I know I'm, I'm about to be killed. I, I can see it's right on the horizon, but I'm welcoming it. He says, now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness. Uh, I'm already being poured out. It's like I'm a drink that is just being poured out. I'm right near the end, and, and that's good. I'm all good with that. I'm excited. I've run the race. I've kept the faith, and I'm ready to be with God. 
that's a very different perspective than I think a lot of people have, even religious people. All right, let's talk about life with hope. Life with hope. I'll draw again here in a second. Uh, in the ancient world, the sea or the ocean uh, represented chaos. It represented all that we can't control. The sea represented untamable nature, this unpredictable, violent aspect of our world uh, with sea monsters you know, in the ocean, in the sea. And so that's why the, the beginning of, of the uh, Bible talks about the, the, the waters and God's Spirit hovering over the water and God you know, working through, turning this water, this watery chaos of a world into order and into beauty and the ultimate beauty there in the garden that he planted, the Garden of Eden. Uh, so God was able to conquer chaos, to bring order out of chaos. And there's these different stories in the Bible that describe God interacting with water. So I, I mentioned this to, to, to explain to in the ancient world, well, the sea doesn't necessarily represent that to us like it did to them. So these stories of the flood, for example, the destruction of the world by water, that made sense to the ancients. And yet God is able to rescue his people. He's able to rescue Noah and his family through the water. And, and that's, uh, we see another uh, uh, type of that with Moses. As Moses is rescued through the water, uh, he's, he's brought out of being killed as a baby. In the, in the basket, he's rescued. So it's kind of another retelling of the Noah story and that Moses is rescued that way. We see it in the, in the uh, New Testament with Jesus and his followers where they're, in this boat and they're on the Sea of Galilee and the storm uh, comes up and, and the, 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 the brothers are terrified because they think we're about to die in this storm. And yet Jesus is so at peace with the world, he is taking a nap during a storm. Uh, that's a little bit of biblical evidence for uh, the validity of naps. Uh, so if you needed something there, uh, there is that. But, but they wake him up from his nap and they say, we're about to drown, don't you care? And Jesus silences the storm and the, the sea becomes completely calm. And their reaction is, what kind of man is this? Even the sea and the winds obey him. And so again, it represented God and his power to overcome chaos and violence and the turbulent uh, world that, uh, that we can't control, that we want to control, but we can't. God is able to control. So to reiterate here in picture form, my thing is drying up because I took the top off. Whoops. Try this other one. Okay. Nope, that was even worse. Try. I have a backup over there, and it just gave up. It had the top off it for only about five minutes. <laughs> okay. So here's God. God brings order out of chaos. That's the beginning of the Bible. Uh, God uh, created order from chaos at the beginning. But then with the fall, we human beings, we end up back in the chaos. We leave the garden, and, and so we are subject to all the chaos of life. We're subject to all the ups and downs and the trials of life. Uh, I'll just draw it down here. But then, as represented in the New Testament story of Jesus with the disciples in the boat, God rescues us from the chaos, and, and this gives us hope. So here we are in the boat with 
with God. And when we live life with God, we're living within His perfect order. Again, from the chaos. So we, we don't have to fear the chaos because we're with God. And so hope exists on two altitudes. There's, uh, there's the kind of cosmic altitude that God is able to conquer the world and God knows what He's doing and God's in control and God has the big picture in mind. Um, I think if, if we're listening to this live stream, we're probably good with that big picture, that high level altitude of hope. We believe God is going to win in the end. We believe God is in control and His, ki his kingdom will reign. But it also exists, hope also exists at the, the altitude of our little life level. My little life and what I'm doing and what I'm experiencing. That's where I think it's tougher sometimes to really have hope. Uh, and to really believe that my story is part of that greater cosmic story. Uh, and that's, you know, even where we've been talking about finding hope in our last series with the Minor Prophets. Of believing that I fit into God's bigger story. Uh, and, and, and my, my well-being and my life with God doesn't come from, from my relationship to these conditions, the, the chaos and, and all that around me. My hope comes from living in God, living with God, trusting God, living in faith and communion with God as we just talked about, um, and, and not from my circumstances. That's why Paul was even able to tell the Corinthians, and we'll talk more about the Corinthians in a minute. Uh, I'm going to put the cap back on here. Uh, that we should remain in whatever condition we were in when the Lord called us. He says this in 1 Corinthians 7, 24. Uh, so people in the Corinth, they were pretty concerned with their situation and, and their surroundings and what gift they had or didn't have and what their socioeconomic level was and their marital status and all this kind of stuff. And, and Paul tells them, uh, whatever you were when God called you, it's fine. You can stay there. You can stay in that situation and still be happy, still be fulfilled. First uh, Corinthians seven twenty four. You could read more about that. But so for us, if if we're married, we can have fulfillment. We can bring li life with God into our marriage and have a marriage that glorifies God. If we're single. We can be single and happy and fulfilled and content with God. We don't have to be married to be happy. We don't have to be married to be content, to be fulfilled, because it's not about those out external surroundings. We can have complete fulfillment in our communion with God. If our job is a mechanic, we can be fulfilled. If our job is an office worker, we can be fulfilled. If we're a CEO of a company or if we are doing side work, whatever it is, you know, if we bring life uh, God, God into our life and we're living with God in communion, whatever our situation is, it's going to transform that situation. Does that make sense? So to use a Noah's trapeze metaphor, faith is the act of surrender when the flyer lets go of the bar. Hope is what the flyer experiences as he soars through the air. It is the assurance that the catcher will catch him even before he sees the catcher's hands or feels his grasp. So it's all about our trust in God. It's all about that relationship with God that allows us to have um, the fulfillment and the, the, the security even in a, a world of chaos. Uh, I was talking with a friend this week about this idea. And, um, you know, he's kind of going through, we, we had a long talk this week, and he's kind of going through a, a journey of figuring out life. And he's not sure where he is with his faith. He, he's not, uh, he used to be a part of the church many years ago. He's not now. And he's kind of uh, just ser searching and, and he's, He's really doing some good self-work. He's understanding more about himself and uh, some of the things, some of the hurts that he experienced. Um, he's really searching for authentic authenticity 
and trying to be his authentic self and whatever he's doing and and uh, that's giving him you know it's invigorating him to try to be himself and and know himself um, but you know as we were talking I said you know I I love all that you're learning I love all that you're doing but for me I want to push back a little bit because I'm trying to do some of the same stuff and really be okay with me and and be myself whatever situation I'm in and really be real and be authentic but but I need more than that because I know I can't control I can't control the chaos around me and so I need God with me in that journey you know I need as I'm trying to figure out who I am and as I'm trying to be authentic and I'm trying to kind of navigate middle life here and turning 50 in a few months and all that kind of stuff, you know, we're talking about life and family and changes. I just need God with me in it. And so that was a great conversation we had. Yeah, I want to find my true identity, but it's more than my identity. It's my identity with God and my identity in God. So to, to, to look at the, the third thing, life with God in love, life uh, with love uh, our third point, life with God is not just about a relationship that's transactional. It's it's a relationship that's in love with God. Uh, this connection with Him, this fullness with Him, that's what al- allows us to be set free to truly love. Uh, when we trust the shepherd, we're set free from our fears and our desire for control. We're free to give rather than to hoard. You know, like the rich fool, if, if, if life is about what we have, we're trying to hoard. But if we trust the shepherd, we're freed up to be, to be open-handed with our possessions and with our gifts. We're free to enjoy rather than to worry. This is big for me because I so often I, I'm doing things that I should be enjoying, but I'm worrying about this or I'm worrying about that or I'm worrying about something that has nothing to do with even what I'm in in the moment. And I'm trying to learn to be mindful and appreciate the moment and trust God with the big picture and, and be freed up to enjoy rather than to worry. Free to forgive rather than to retaliate. When somebody hurts me or somebody does something, instead of it making me bitter and me feeling like I have to get back at them, I'm free to really and truly forgive when, when I live life with God. The other postures lead, lead us always on a hunt to try to control fear. Uh, and yet, with this life with God, it allows us to be trusted and fulfilled by His love. Uh, look at this uh, great quote from Zephaniah in the Minor Prophets as we studied recently. It says, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will catch us as we're flying through the air on the, mighty, on the high trapeze. He will rejoice over you with gladness. I love this part. He will quiet you by His love. He will exult over you with loud singing. You know, a relationship with God is transformative. His love for us, our love for Him, it it says in this passage, He will quiet you by His love. It quiets our fears. Uh, Our our, our walk with God helps us to be at peace. It helps us to be tranquil. Um, This is something I've been learning in in my own walk with God lately, is just to be still uh, and, and to be quieted by His love. Uh, I remember years ago when I was a younger Christian uh, in college, uh, prayer time was kind of loud, and uh, you know, my, my I would maybe pray with other brothers. We'd go up on the cliff, and we'd split up, and you could hear the other brothers sort of yelling over there, and I'd be trying to yell over here. You'd be trying to kind of get all fired up in your prayer, and God, you know, kind of preaching in your prayer, and uh, you know, that's that's what I needed maybe at that time in my life. Uh, that doesn't do it for me anymore, you know. I, Sometimes nowadays, lately, I mean, I'll take the dog for a walk and then there's a, a chair in front of my 
house the other day, I just sat there in the chair for about probably half an hour, just not even saying things to God, just sort of sitting and just being still and just recognizing his presence and, and listening for him. And boy, that did a lot for me, you know, just that silent stillness and being quieted by his love. If you haven't really experienced that, if you haven't experienced that transformative walk with God, just keep investing, keep spending the time. It's not going to happen, you know, if you're trying to say a quick prayer on a drive somewhere. You've got to really take some time out and just be with God. Um, I want to share this uh, an analogy from uh, a guy who studied with little kids in their development. His name is Jerome Berryman. But he saw these stages of development with, with kids that... Um, I'll explain more what I'm talking about, but as they uh, experience wonder, they have what he called the ah moment. Like, ah, that's amazing. So we'll call this wonder. Uh, that leads them to a moment of discovery call that an aha moment. Call this discovery. And that leads them to a ha-ha moment. joy, and that, that leads them to silence and satisfaction, I'm calling this love. Uh, this is cool. So we've all seen this with kids, you know, the wonder, that's what's so infectious about little kids, the wonder, the discovery, the, so they go from ah to aha to ha ha ha. And, and the, 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 uh, the theologian uh, describes this as being our relationship with God, that God can lead us through these moments, these transformative moments. That God, you know, when you spend time with God in silence, that will lead you to a, ah, just, wow, God is amazing. His creation is incredible. You know, just a, a, his word is amazing. Uh, Jesus is amazing. Just an ah moment. And an, an aha moment, a sense of discovery that's what I've got to do, or that's what he's trying to tell me, or that's why that happened in my life, or that's what's going to happen in the future, maybe, or, you know, just this aha moment with God, and that leads us to joy and contentment in a relationship with him. And this is what life with God does, a life of love with God does, uh, and it changes, it transforms us. And, and then think about if that's what we're doing, each one of us, if this describes each one of our relationship with God, what that looks like, like life together with God. If each one of us has that kind of transformative relationship, can you imagine what kind of culture we will have? Uh, that passage I read in Zephaniah a minute ago, it says, the Lord Almighty is in your midst. God will be with us in our community, not just uh, you know, in name, but in, 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 uh, in culture, in who we are, in the way that we interact with each other. 
Um, and, and so before we take communion together, I want to recognize God's presence among us in our midst, that he is here with us, and his love is transformative. Um, I had a little more I was going to look at from 1 Corinthians 13, but I'll just send that to you guys to discuss in your Bible talks, uh, and, uh, and you can, you can kind of pull, pull from this, uh, this passage, 1 Corinthians 13, this f- famous passage on love. But he ends out the passage in verse 13 by saying, So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these in lo- is love. And so uh, these things we've talked about, faith and hope, uh, those, those are what really matter. Faith, hope, and love are what really matter, not these spiritual gifts and all these kind of other things that the Corinthians were focused on. It's really life with God that matters. And why does he say the greatest is love? Why does he say the greatest of these three is love? Well, if you think about it, if, if we do have this perspective that we're talking about, this eternal perspective that life with God begins now and then continues forever, then there's going to be a time where we don't need faith anymore. Because faith is the assurance of what we hope for. It's that, that, that uh, you know, I know it's going to happen and I trust it and I'm, I'm surrendering to God because I trust he's going to catch me. But there's a time where we're going to be together with God in heaven and we're not going to need faith anymore. Hope is that expectation of what is to come because of God's sovereignty and his, and his, his power over chaos and that he will rescue us, and he will save us. There's going to be a time we don't need hope anymore. Uh, and, and all that will remain is love. And, and that connection, that communion with God and with each other. And as I was thinking about this idea that, you know, there's not going to be need to be hope anymore, there's not going to be need to be faith anymore, I was, I was reminded of this kind of in-depth conversation I had with a brother about 11 years ago named Chris Allison. Uh, Chris is a, was a single brother who uh, a lot of us know. He was uh, uh, in, active in several of our churches, uh, our family of churches. Uh, he was here in L.A. for a long time. He did a lot of music. He was a part of a lot of conferences. Uh, he passed away uh, about a year and a half ago. But, um, but I remember we were writing a song for this singles conference we were doing in 2009 called Imagine. And Chris wrote this song, uh, and he, uh, the chorus of the song says, Imagine how it will be uh, when my brothers and sisters all worship with me. And uh, the, the kind of final line he had uh, was, there will not be any faith anymore. And it was a cool line. We, we kind of were talking about that line. He wasn't sure if he wanted to keep it or not. Uh, that, that was kind of the final line of the song. There will not be any faith anymore. And what he was trying to say is this, that we won't need faith anymore. But somehow it just didn't seem real positive. <laughs> just saying, there will not be any faith anymore. Uh, and so we kind of changed it to be... Uh, our hope fulfilled and our faith complete. You know, our faith will be complete and our hope will be fulfilled. Uh, but, but he had that perspective that I'm headed somewhere. And Chris was always very heavenward focused in his mentality. He's also the one that wrote the song that we sing here in our congregation called Much More Than Gold. Much More Than Gold is the love of Jesus uh, and, and, and this vision of heaven. And uh, before we uh, say a prayer for communion, I wanted to share that song with you that, that we wrote. This is a video from... Uh, back then, 2009, you will see it is actually me on that video. It looks, uh, I have aged quite a bit in 11 years. Uh, that's what uh, kids will do to you, teenagers. If, you, if you're thinking of having kids, they will age you. Uh, but uh, no, it's not your guys' fault. It's, it's natural order of things. Um, but I want us to meditate on the words of the song, really listen to the words of the song. This is where we are all headed. 
and Chris himself is, is there. He is awaiting us in paradise. You know, he's gone on to be with God already. And, uh, and, and, and so this, the, the words of this song were strangely prophetic in a way that he was uh, envisioning heaven. And, and it's filled with some imagery. The song has some imagery of revelation and what, with a picture of being there with God forever. And so let's, uh, let's uh, sing the song together if you'd like to sing along, if you remember it. Or uh, just listen to the words of this song and then I'll come back and we'll pray for communion. Hey, uh, this is Chris Allison. He's an awesome brother uh, that's going to be at the Singles Conference. Um, a single brother who wrote a song for the conference called Imagine. He's it got working, the. Uh, yeah, it's working. Okay. We got the um, manuscript right here. It's all like, you can tell it's like very poetic looking. <laughs> and, uh, so we've just been uh, working on it right now. So we're going to try to give you a little taste of it here. Do you want to start with the chorus? Or do you want to start no. with the chorus? Yes. Wipe away all of our tears 
Amen. So now's the time we're going to pray for communion. And uh, somebody commented about this. This is wine. I like to do real communion, which is wine and bread. But uh, I want to make sure that we're, we're actually uh, taking this meal together, this communion meal. Uh, this is important that we're together uh, joining and remembering God together. So if you need to, pause the video and take a moment to get your communion elements so that we can share this meal together. Uh, Dust is going to come up. We're going to pray for some of the needs in our body as well as pray for uh, communion and, uh, and, our, and remembering Jesus and his body and blood uh, given for us. So uh, let's uh, bow with us and let's pray. And uh, I know there's a lot of needs in, in the body, so a lot that we want to be uh, praying for one another as we share communion together. So let's pray. So you want to do your hands? Okay. Go ahead. Okay. Um, I'm going to pray first for the ones that came in through the live stream. Um, thanks for sending these guys. Um, all right, God, um, thank you for this time. Thank you for the service. Um, help us to uh, focus right now on you and on Jesus. And um, thank you so much for this time to take communion right now. Um, thank you for um, just all of our uh, relationships here in the church and that we can be praying for each other. Um, I pray for Erin uh, Marici as um, she's working as a nurse and 31 weeks pregnant and just a huge overload of patients. Please be with her as she's working. Um, I pray for Missy Hood's mother who's in the hospital with a leg infection. Um, God, please heal her. Um, I know it's so hard with our parents. I pray for Missy and the family to really um, be there for her. Uh, I pray for Missy's boss of 17 years who's in a medically induced coma. God, please be with the family there and um, be with Missy as she's uh, dealing with these different situations. And um, I pray for Denise Mills' mom who just got diagnosed with stage four cancer in her spine and her organs. Um, I'm beginning chemotherapy this Wednesday. God, please um, be with her and the family. Um, be with Denise there to help her and um, just uh, pray for these situations. Thank you for um, that you are in control of them. Amen. God, we want to pray for all those who are sick, uh, those who are battling COVID, uh, those who have had uh, loved ones lost to COVID recently. Um, uh, Father, pray for those who are hospitalized and those who are just at home recovering. You know, I pray for Davida and Betty and Marlena and their household as they're recovering. I pray for others who are sick in our fellowship. Pray for those who are in the hospital. I pray for Eddie Anderson, who's in the hospital right now. Just pray for complete healing. Uh, God, for his lungs to heal. I pray for Sergio Arguello, who's uh, one of the ministers from the church in IE, who had to go back in the hospital uh, with COVID. I pray that um, he would have a full recovery, God. I pray for Craig Brown, who many of us know, a, a disciple in, the, in our church who's 
been intubated for a long time now and in a, in a medically induced coma. I really pray that he comes out of it. I pray he's able to, to be re restored to health. I pray for Donna Mark in the uh, Greater Long Beach ministry who had to be hospitalized with, uh, with COVID and, and just pray that she would be able to, to recover from it. I know she has other underlying health issues. And, um, you know, for those that we don't even know uh, about God, I, I really pray for them. And I pray for uh, Rosie and for Adriana and, and uh, uh, their, uh, just their household and, and just losing Renato is really challenging for our, our whole fellowship here this week. And um, pray for his father, who's, uh, who's I, I believe, had to be hospitalized with COVID and uh, just pray that he would recover. And um, I pray for Renato's family and I pray for uh, Rosie and, and Adriana and their household that they don't get sick. And just I pray that you comfort them in their grief uh, during this time and pray that we could uh, really be there for them. Um, pray for those who are recovering from surgery uh, and, and other uh, health issues. Uh, thank you for Michelle's uh, uh, test being uh, uh, good, and, uh, but I pray that she would have full, full, uh, you know, full health. I know uh, Casey had mentioned there were some other health issues there. Um, pray for Lauren Moronis to, to, be, to fully recover. Um, thank you for her surgery being successful and for Lynn Jackson, her surgery. I pray that Lynn would fully recover and uh, uh, have full restoration of health. And thank you that the whole family's feeling better. And um, pray for Mia Steberg and just feel for their household being so isolated uh, during this time and um, having to be, uh, you know, so quarantined for many months on end. Just, it's been hard for us just for a few days uh, being quarantined from everybody. And uh, so I just pray that you bring them encouragement and love pray for Mia to completely recover and for her uh, uh, cancer to be uh, in remission for many years ahead and, and just for her to have a healthful, healthy life. Um, I pray for uh, just our world, God, and, and uh, our government and uh, just the battle against COVID. God, I pray to be successful with getting the, the vaccines out to everybody in the months ahead. And I uh, pray that we'd be able to get back to uh, as, as close back to normal as, as we can. And uh, I pray that we would all learn from uh, the, the events of this last year and, and uh, learn what you want us to learn and uh, pray that we would grow in the ways you want us to grow. I pray for our government, I pray for unity, and uh, I pray for healing uh, with all of the, the different uh, uh, just tensions and, and divisions that have been exposed this year. I pray for healing and uh, for the, the kingdom to be a light and a city on a hill and uh, for us to, to be a, a church even in, in which um, we can live in harmony with different views and different, uh, you know, political perspectives and things like that, and uh, and yet still have total unity in you. And I pray for a, a peace peace in our country this week, and as we uh, see a new president inaugurated, and and just uh, just pray for for uh, you to keep keep uh, people safe. And um, uh, thank you uh, now, God, for this time to remember Jesus's body and blood given for us, and uh, just that uh, He is our perfect Savior. He is our Author. He is our Perfecter. He is the whole reason for our faith, and He's the whole reason we can have life with you and have this communion with you that we can enjoy. It's only possible through His body and blood that, that remove, remove the curse of, uh, of Eden, God, and allow us back into communion with you. And I know as the passage in 1 Corinthians uh, says we didn't get to look at, but it says now we only see reflections in a mirror, but then we will see face to face. And as Chris just sang about, God, thank you that we will see you face to face and we will have complete communion with you on that day. And I know that's only possible through Jesus's body and blood. Thank you for this time of, of remembrance and reflection. Pray each one of us can connect with you during this time. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us. 